All right, well, you have a Bible, so take your Bible, turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 2. Remember these two important things. One is you can be a disciple and not be saved. And you can be saved and not be a disciple. One is you're following, learning, a disciple. And you can teach many things. But salvation is it means you're trusting and dependent upon somebody to do something for you. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, He gives you eternal life, that's settled. That's a done deal. Uh, God can't change it. You can't change it. There's uh, no reneging on the promise. Once you believe, you have eternal life. Serving God, following Him is a different thing altogether. And so Christ came on the scene, and John the Baptist had been preaching, and last week we talked about how that he, uh, he baptized Jesus and so on. And that Jesus began his ministry at about 30 years of age. And we went back to the book of Numbers and showed how that the priests were supposed to begin their ministry in about 30 years of age. Of course, they got to retire when they were 50. So you got another year to go and you can retire. I don't know what happened to me. But anyway, it's interesting as you read some of the scriptures, uh, one of the biggest problems I've always had is trying to figure out when exactly were the disciples saved. And it looks like they were saved at the beginning. And then sometimes it looks like they weren't saved at all. And uh, then you have some scriptures that kind of throw you for a loop. But uh, let's just take a look at some of these things here in the book of John and chapter 2 in your Bible. You'll notice there that Jesus had done his first miracle at a wedding. Now, it didn't say he performed the wedding, but he attended a wedding. And uh, I think I have uh, performed a lot of weddings. I hope God forgives me for all those that I've joined together in holy dead love. But, you know, but as I've looked out over the years, you know, there's only a few of them that have ever, you know, I didn't, must not have, had, must have been a slipknot or something. I don't know what it just got loose. But if you look there in the book of John chapter 2, look in verse 11. The miracle that he performed there at the wedding, changing water into wine, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee, manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Now, it's a blanket statement, his disciples believed on him. But there were some of the disciples that had not yet even joined him at the first miracle, as far as following him, because we go to other scriptures, and there were other miracles that were done, and uh, then he chose certain ones, and you'll look at that in just a second. But also look there in verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, at the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So there were many people that came, watched, and saw the miracle and believed on Christ. Now the Gospel of John is written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have faith in him and have eternal life. So this is mentioned in the last part of the book, and we call it a very evangelistic book because it is true. And you can lead a lot of people to the Lord with simple verses from the Gospel of John. But he says these things are written so that you'll know. So there's illustrations that are used in the Scriptures, and there's these stories of salvation so that we would believe. So the miracles and the stories work together. 
the Lord only had one main goal for people to believe him, that he was who he claimed to be. So John the Baptist was the forerunner. So he came preaching, and his message was very simple, that you're to believe on the one whom he hath sent. So John the Baptist actually preached the simple gospel just like we preach. John 3.16 here is not at the end of his ministry. It's at the beginning of his ministry. So the ministry that Jesus had and the ministry that John the Baptist has, at the beginning they preach salvation by grace and grace alone. Hold your place right here because I want to show you that. But look in the book of Acts in chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. There were a few uh, great successes going on after the resurrection of Christ and people spreading, preaching the word and going to different places. But um, two people, Aquila and Priscilla, found this guy named Apollos, and um, he was mighty in the Scriptures. That means he knew how to use the Scriptures. He was doing a good job. But the Bible says they explained unto him a better way, but he didn't understand everything that he should have known. And so the Apostle Paul then comes there in chapter 19, verse 1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. They were Jewish. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? So being baptized was because you believed what was preached about that. If they believed the message that John the Baptist had preached, they were to be baptized because what he said was, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So they weren't baptized in water without the other because it's a picture of the baptism that Christ was going to do. So he makes a statement here. In verse 3, he said, what then were you baptized? So baptism is unto something. It doesn't save, but it is a picture of something. So in verse 4, then said Paul, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, this is what he said, that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So John the Baptist preached that the people were to believe on Jesus Christ. Yes or no? So that was from the very beginning. That's what he preached. He didn't preach that they had to keep the law and all that stuff. No, no, no. He preached the gospel that we preached the same way. Now, Go back there to the book of John. Back to the book of John. And you'll notice there, in the book of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. This is used by a lot of people to show you that you can be saved and lose your salvation. Well, not so fast. Jesus said many things that he knew they weren't going to get. He even said some things that he knew was going to offend people. Now, you don't think he would have done that, do you? But he did. So you see there in verse 60, he had just finished talking to them about some things that were hard to digest. You know, like eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And uh, maybe this is where those people who make these vampire movies get it from. But you could have eternal life, you know. But anyway, notice what he says here in verse 60. Many, therefore, of his, see that word, disciples, they were followers, learners. Doesn't mean that they're saved. They may have been, I don't know. But he says, when they had heard this said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? I mean, who can understand what you're saying? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, does this offend you? If this offends you, what do you see? What else is coming down the road? 
What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Did, they, uh, did that actually happen? Yeah, it happened. But now notice what he says in verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The word that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. In other words, I want you to believe what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the bread that came down from heaven. He says, your fathers did eat man in the wilderness. They ate it, and what happened to them? They died. They're dead. And they had to eat it every day. But this is bread that once you eat this bread, you only have to eat it one time, and you'll have eternal life. And he is that bread that came down from heaven, born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and he was the bread for the world. So anyone who believes in Christ has eternal life. So he's letting you know that it's a spiritual thing. But he also says this in verse 64. But there are some of you that believe not. Now, if he's the Lord, he ought to know who believes and who doesn't believe. But there's some of you that don't believe what I'm saying. But they were disciples. But he says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. So he knew those that were saved who did believe. He knew, he knew those that did not believe and he knew who was going to betray him. Was Judas among the twelve? And who chose him? He just weaseled his way in. No, no, no. He was chosen. But the Lord knew he didn't believe. But he was considered a disciple. But he was lost. And then he says this in verse 66. For from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So a disciple is someone who walks with their teacher. To listen, to learn, to watch, to observe. And so if Jesus was to come across here today and he looked over there and he says, um, Keaton, I want you to follow me. Well, if you're going to follow him and he's moving, you're going to have to leave wherever you are. You may even have a, a mom and dad. You're going to have to leave them. Poor wife, you just got her. You're going to have to leave your job, leave everything and follow him. And that's why he says, you can't follow me unless you leave whatever you're doing. Because you, this is where I'm going. You're going to follow me? You, then you have to give up all of that. Aren't you glad that's not for salvation? Salvation is simply you believing and trusting what he did on the cross for you. But serving the Lord, the Bible says, now if you ever read the book of Luke chapter 14, there's a beautiful chapter there that talks about discipleship and what it costs you. But see, serving the Lord can cost you. And I can say that I've paid a few little prices over the years, but um, it's a price that I don't mind at all. You know, a sacrifice for the Lord is simply giving up something in this world for something better. And you call that a sacrifice. Because you can't lose. You can't lose serving God. Or whatever you give up for the Lord, you don't lose. You gain. But down here in these scriptures, he says, they didn't walk anymore with him. But in verse 67, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? So these that he was talking to were some others, but he also said this to the twelve. Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe. So he's speaking for all the disciples. And Jesus has to say, wait, wait, wait a minute, not so fast, Charlie. He says, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve? One of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him in one of the twelve. So he was one of the twelve. So he was a disciple, but he was not of God, and he was not saved. 
Some people like to try to say, well, he was saved and he lost his salvation. <laughs> no, he wasn't. And the Bible tells us that God can use all kinds of people for vessels. You see, in the book of Romans in chapter 9, it says there are vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. So God, being a just God and a loving God, a compassionate God, a wonderful God, well, God wants certain vessels that he can demonstrate all that through. And then we're supposed to know that because God is God and a just God, he hates sin. And if he hates sin, he has to judge sin. So there is the wrath of God. So we have to have vessels that God can use to demonstrate his wrath upon. So there's all kinds of vessels and God can use them. So he even talks about using Pharaoh and how that he was rebellious and hard-headed and hard-hearted and turned against God. And, and God said, I have chosen him because of his own rebellion to use him as a vessel of wrath. And God can take another person who is sensitive and teachable and wants to be used by God, and God can bless that person, have compassion on that person, honor that person because there's vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. Well, what makes the difference? You, after you trusted Christ as your Savior, did you know that principle still holds true? Now that you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you can be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. So, take your Bible and look there in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look at verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Now understand, once you have trusted Christ as your Savior, it's great to be able to say, I know the Lord. But better than that is when God says, I know you. And we have this confidence that God knows his children. Now, believe it or not, me and Betty, we know our children. They may forget us, but we know who they are. God knows his children. If God gave birth to you and you're born of God, you're a child of God, do you think God knows who his kids are? Well, of course. So he says here in verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are, what? His. So God knows you. So whether you are an obedient child or disobedient child, you are still His child. And so He says this in verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet, fit for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. So there's other kind of vessels. And so if you're the right kind, you flee youthful lust and so forth. But if you don't, then you're going to get trapped by the devil. And see that in verse 26? And they that may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So if you will serve God, then God like puts a hedge of protection around you. When you want to be a rebellious child of God, then you have become a vessel of dishonor, and God says the devil traps you. 
You don't become free. I get to do my own thing, go my own way. <laughs> no, you're messing up what you're doing. You're rebellious. And the devil can take you captive. When you don't yield to God, the devil can take you and destroy your testimony and destroy your life. Now, he can't get your soul. Aren't you glad you're still going to heaven? The Lord knoweth them that are his. But he says up there in this verse, in verse 21, where he says, If a man therefore purge himself, that means you as a child of God, will you decide yourself to serve God? Will you purge, clean out some of those areas of your life that are kind of holding you back? Things that will destroy your testimony, that will hurt your, your walk with the Lord. God wants to use you, and you will be fit for the master's use. See, some of God's children are not fit to be used. They never study. They're not faithful. They don't pray. They don't seek. They don't do anything God wants them to do. And I wonder, I wonder why God doesn't use me. Duh. You clean up the vessel, and God will use you. I'm just telling what the book says. So you can be a disciple and be lost. And you can be saved and not serve. But wouldn't it be great if all of God's children, those who are saved, will see the wisdom in serving God and do it because you want to? Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Hezekiah. All right. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 16. Jesus walking along. Verse 16, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers. Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further... Thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the ship mending their nets. In other words, Jesus found people that were busy, people that were doing something, people that were already working. And he called to them and says, follow me. Well, verse 20, and straightway he left them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. I mean, Hey, follow me. Sure, sure. Drop everything. Bye, Dad. Bye, Mom. Go. Oh. Some people have to, well, let me pray about this. Well, wait a minute. It was the Lord that asked you. Well, I have to ask the Lord if it's His will. Wait a minute. It was the Lord that told you. Do what God says do. Delayed obedience is what? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Well, I'm going to dedicate my life to the Lord someday. You can't plan that. It's easy, all you have is now. So either you dedicate your life now, you don't know if you will later. You can't plan you will later because you don't know what kind of a frame of mind you're going to be. If you're going to be in that, later on, I'm going to really be in a good frame of mind. Well, if it's so good later, why not now? So go ahead and serve the Lord now immediately. Also, you'll find out there's a lot of, planning that God goes through. So here's Jesus Christ coming on the scene. Now he's already been baptized and he wasn't baptized because he was a sinner. He didn't have any sins to wash away. So that shows you that baptism doesn't wash away your sin. Why? Jesus got baptized. He didn't have any. He couldn't wash away his sins. And Jesus got baptized and um, he um, had done anything wrong. So why did he have to get baptized? 
See, he was the one, as a man, given a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. This is why he came. He was beginning his ministry, and his whole ministry is about he came to die. Because you remember, that is what baptism was a picture of. Christ is going to the cross. He's going to die, be buried, come back again from the dead. And so this is what my ministry is about. And he says, we have to do that which is right. Now, there's other things we can get into a whole sermon, but not right now. And Jesus then, the very next verse says in chapter 4 and verse 1, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then when he got through with that, he comes down, and now he's going to build a cabinet. He's going to get his staff together. Anytime you want to do anything, you have to build a staff. You've got to try to find workers, people that can do certain jobs. If you don't, you can do the work of 10 men, or you can get 10 men to help do the work. Now, which way do you think you'll last the longest? This is why so many people get burnt out, because they do all the work. Get people to do the work. See, the job of the preacher is supposed to get you to do the job, to do the work. We are supposed to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So we got a lot of work to do. All right, look there also in chapter 3. Look in chapter 3. Just turn your page over there. Chapter 3, and you'll notice in verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And you ought to underline this word, ordained. Now this is their, an ordination service. Now see, they had been followers, but now he wants these people to commit themselves to doing what he wants them to do. Because there was a ministry. There was things he was going to do. There was places they were going to go, and he's going to send them out two by twos. And power he was going to give to them. They could do all kinds of things, and do miracles, and cast out devils, and all kinds of stuff. And they would go to the whole city, of the, of the whole country of Israel. And this is what he gave them to do. So, in verse 13, and excuse me, verse 14, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Now, ordaining them to serve him is not salvation. Now, we know that Judas was one of these and he got to do the same thing that everybody else did. He even got to be the secretary, the financial secretary. And what did he do that was so bad as a financial secretary? The Bible says he bore out what was put in. I wonder what that means. Is it called embezzlement, something like that? In other words, he was taking money out while others were putting money in. Now, isn't it a shame that the Lord didn't know he was going to do that? <clears throat> that he did that. But that greed... See, when you don't solve a problem, it gets worse. Did it get worse by the time his ministry was over? Remember, he was willing to deny Jesus, to sell him, betray him. For how much? 30 pieces of silver? Is that what it was? Now, why? But see, because greed gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It always gets worse. Any little thing you let go in your life will get worse and worse. You see, you ever heard people say, you're just making a mountain out of a molehill. Well, what's a molehill? What dirt. What's a mountain? More dirt. You just add, keep adding more dirt on it. And that's what happens in Christians' lives, is that little things become big things. And I used the illustration just not long ago, but 
When I was in Colorado, I loved to go mountain climbing. Not because I loved to climb the mountains, but I was looking for an elk. <laughs> I was looking for a deer. I just didn't want to do it just for the exercise, though I got a lot of it. But it wasn't the big boulders that caused you to have a problem. It was all those loose gravel on the side of the hill. It's the loose gravel that gets under your foot that causes you to slip and slide. That's why you're going to fall. You're not going to fall because of big things in your life. You're going to fall because of little things you let go. And those little things became bigger things. Deal with little things in your life. There's a scripture that talks about the, the little foxes spoil the vine. The little foxes spoil the vines. And so there's little things in your life that can destroy you. But now notice what he says here in verse 16. Oh, excuse me, verse 15 says, And to have power to heal sicknesses, cast out devils. Now, they weren't given the power to save anybody. But they had power to do certain things. They were to preach about Christ is coming and so forth, and to get things straight in your life. He was coming. In verse 17, James, the son of Zebedee, John, the brother of James. Now, you'll notice there's some, you know, brothers in this thing here. There's Peter and James and John. And it says uh, also they were called the sons of thunder. Uh, that means they probably had a problem with their temper. In verse 18, Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, and James, and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot. He knows he named him last. I don't know why. Which also betrayed him that they went into a house. So these are the ones that he had chosen. And they were the ones that got to be with him and close to him. But even though you have some that get close, there were a few out of that. They got a little closer, Peter, James, and John. And so they got to see and enjoy some things that some of the others weren't a part of. See, how close you get to the Lord depends upon you. I'm so glad that somebody else can't keep me from getting close to the Lord. The Lord says, I'm sorry, Yankee, I've already got uh, a half a million people, and uh, you're half a million and one, and I don't have any more room for you. God is not a respecter of person. Wait a minute. I like it knowing that God doesn't love anybody in this world more than he loves me. Aren't you glad that nobody in this world, God doesn't love anybody in this whole world more than he loves you? Don't you like that? But he doesn't love you any more than he does anybody else. I didn't like that last half, but I know it's the truth. God so loved the world. He loves all of us. But the thing is, is, how close you get to the Lord depends upon how, how much you love Him. How close do you want to get to the Lord? Nobody can make you dedicate your life to the Lord. No one can make you be a disciple. You can be a child of God and never serve God. Because you and I, we're not going to heaven because we love God. We're going to heaven because He loved us. 